Mobile Rolling, presented by Garrard's Horse and Hound, making shopping easier with their online store. The same extensive catalogue, the same keen prices, online or over the phone. 1800 060 896 or visit horseandhound.com.au. And still Motu Premier leads. Amita Chicago ball the outside. Moving up now to within a neck of Motu Premier. Around them comes Hampton Banner three deep up on the outside. A galactic star in the centre. Wild West the inside. Chicago Bull puts it to Motu Premier. Chicago Bull and Motu Premier. Favourites just got the head in front. Chicago Bull, Motu Premier. Won't go away, but uh, he's got his measure. Chicago Bull and Chicago Bull over Motu Premier. That was his sole win so far in 2022. One of Chris Barsby's favourites. He's won 62 races from 110 starts and he's about two to one on at Gloucester Park tomorrow night. Uh, will he make it number two for 2022? Chris Barsby, good morning. Steve, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Let's hope so. What a warrior he's been, Chicago Bull, for a long period of time. His best days appear to be behind him now, but he's still very competitive at that open-class level in, in the West. So a lot of their big names are just sort of uh, on the way back. Horses like Shockwave, but a good report by owner Kevin Jevons earlier in the week. He's progressing nicely. As we know, Magnificent Storm, he came back. He's having a little bit of a let-up now. Do they go to the Inter-Dominion with him later this year? Maybe. And then we've got uh, a lot of the team bond horses not back at the races. So... A little bit quiet at the moment over there with their open-class races, but hopefully he can get another victory uh, tomorrow night, Chicago Bulls. He's a bit like Colt 31, who was a star some seasons ago, and he's still racing well, but just lost a little bit of a, a bit of ground, so to speak, as an older horse, Chris. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, like that, that's just uh, mother nature, I suppose. Uh, you, you can't be at your absolute best forever, uh, and and that's that's like anything in life, really. But uh, yeah, I think that's fair. He's probably not at that you know dominant level that he was from a few seasons ago, like Colt Thirty One. But they're still very competitive, and uh, they still want to be out there. So mm. uh, they keep pushing on with Chicago Bull. Of course, they've got Jumping Jack Mack in that race. Stewie McDonald takes the drive. Of course, he's back with the other uh, halls over there in the West now, and he's picked up the drive on Jumping Jack Mack. But Fingers crossed that uh, Bully can get the job done tomorrow night. We mentioned Colt 31, Grant Dixon. Uh, see Adam Hamilton's penned an article that he's oh so close, Chris, to 5,000 career winners in the sulky. Grant Dixon. Yeah, it's truly extraordinary, Steve. Um, you know, the, the the respect that he's held in. I think this is the, the key thing with Grant Dixon. It's the respect that he gathers from his peers that stands him out from a lot of others. Uh, and not only here locally, uh, as you know, Steve, I'm, I'm on the phones all the time talking to, you know, people, uh, whether they be trainer, drivers, owners or, or, or the like from interstate. And uh, they all hold Grant in really high regard. So he's going to put his name up there with the likes of Chris Alford, Gavin Lang, Chris Lewis, uh, you know, and, and that's rare air. You know, when you're talking these guys like uh, Chris Alford, Inter-Dominion winning driver, Chris Lewis, Inter-Dominion winning driver. Gavin didn't get the winner pacing Inter-Dominion, but he won trotting Inter-Dominion grand final. So he's in very esteemed company. Uh, you know, can't wait for him to do it. Um, you know, it's only a matter of time. And, you know, and it comes at a really good time of his life as well. Uh, he's got uh, the three young boys uh, growing up and they're taking an interest in racing now. And, uh, you know, it looks like potentially they've got their best horse that they've ever had. And that's high praise indeed when you've, you know, had the likes of Majestic Mac, Governor Jujon, Colt 31, but Leap to Fame looks like he could be better than all of them. So 
it's a special time and uh, it's going to be a special moment when he rakes up win number 5,000 as a driver. Mm. Chris, I spotted a young driver watching a couple of replays, not replays, races live yesterday at Bathurst. And this young, I assume he's quite young. Is he Mitch Turnbull? Just took my eye. He, he's a talent, isn't he? This this kid. How old is he? Don't yeah. say he's 40. Uh, he, uh, no, no, he's definitely not 40. He'd be early 20s now. Yeah, he can Mitch, drive, so. can't he? Mm. Yeah, he's the youngest of the uh, the Turnbull uh, clan as far as Steve and Jenny are concerned. So uh, there's Nathan, Josh, Amanda and Mitch. And uh, he's very tall, very lanky, but, uh, you know, he, he's getting the best out of his horses at the moment. It looks like he's really enjoying it, so that's great to see. But uh, the driving ranks down there at Bathurst, always strong, headed up by the Turnbull clan. But uh, you've got the Hewitts, you've got uh, Matt Rue, who's very good. There's a number of good drivers down there. John O'Shea gets his fair share of winners. So... It's a competitive colony down there in that Western District. But uh, Mitch more than holds his own, there's no doubt mm, about it. Yeah, 409 wins, according to uh, the, uh, the the Harness website. Our first guest is with us, Anthony Perkins. Chris, what can you tell me about Anthony? Well, he's going to tell us all about himself because, uh, as we know, Steve, we're getting towards the, uh, the new breeding season, which basically kicks off in September. And Trump bloodstock is Anthony Perkins. And uh, we're seeing uh, this name pop up more and more often. They've recently taken sponsorship at Albion Park, sponsoring the back straight with one of their stallions, Dance and Lou. But a lot of people have been asking, what is Trump bloodstock? What's the whole story around it? So I thought we'd go straight to the source and he could explain it himself. Anthony, good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you doing? I'm really well. Can you outline Trump bloodstock, what it is all about and how long it's been in operation? Um, well, I've been sort of racing horses for probably the best part of about 16 years. You know, we've, we've had a little bit of success here and there, a couple of nice ones that I used to import from New Zealand. But, you know, we started going down the path of, you know, getting a couple of nice race mares and then, you know, wanting to breed and just, you know, connecting up with some of the big stallion owners across the world. So, you know, just been each year just building the, the team up each, each year with the stallions and the broodmares. Okay, so you mentioned to start with you're importing horses from New Zealand. That market is getting more and more difficult now. Uh, the, the numbers on the ground over there probably aren't as, uh, as big as what they once were. So how do you go from importing horses from New Zealand to going down that you know breeding side, getting involved with stallions and, and the like like that? How does that uh, evolve? Yeah, well, I was getting some horses from New Zealand and we were having a bit of success. But then I, you know, I had a couple of mares that I really liked and you know I wanted to breed... You know, I had a nice old trotting mare you know, 15 years ago called Kumbaya, and she won quite a few races, won a race at Harold Park for me. You know, I wanted to breed one, and then, you know, you get a bit of success, and then you buy another one, and you buy another one, and all of a sudden, you know, you get a big team of them. But just with all the bonuses and everything in Australia, and especially the Q-bread bonuses, it just makes more and more sense to go to a local products. Okay. Not only the paces, but you're fascinated, obviously, by the trotters as well. Yeah, well, I've always sort of like the trotters, maybe because when I'm growing up, you know, we never had trotting in Queensland. And we'd only be able to watch the good trotters race, you know, interstate. But, you know, when, you know, my second or third horse was, you know, Kumbaya, the trotter, and, you know, I bought another trotter and I bought another trotter and I've probably raced quite a few. And, you know, just, you know, got to know some of the, the bigger owners from overseas and, you know, we started importing some of the, you know, the top stallions and, you know, now we sort of breed and race a few ourselves is not just selling them on the market. You're selling them at the yearling sales. And I thought that was interesting, just with trotting introduced into Queensland. Do you remember what, what year that was? How long ago we saw the Square Gators Queensland? I reckon it would have been the late 90s, potentially. You know, um, 
you know, time goes pretty fast. But I reckon it would have been the mid to late 90s maybe they started racing yeah. up here. That'd be sort of like runway, you know, one race a week and, you know, at the Albion Park. But they're growing and growing. And, you know, now we have, like, three races at, you know, Albion Park on Tuesday for the trotters, you know, including, you know, big fields for the baby races. What's the so, advantage you know, of trotting over pacing or what, what draws you to trotting over the pacing, for example? Um because it's a bit new and like we I sort of looked at it as a bit of a niche market in Queensland and you know I thought it was going to grow you know, you know there's quite a lot of people doing the paces here already so you know a few years ago I started collecting some of the better broodmares and you know build up the team and you know sort of wanted to get into a bit of a niche market because I could see the potential of it coming. And just on that as you said we had three trotting races on Tuesday at Albion Park and it, it seems to be quite the norm now where we're getting these two-year-old races that are taking place and it's amazing how far we've come. Not only are we staging two-year-old trotting races, but the times they're running as well. It, it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, well, four or five years ago, I think the, they went about 2.16 or 2.19, you know, in the very first two-year-old trot. You know, now the first start, they're running 2.4. You know, a couple of weeks ago, Susan, as her name, went 2.2. So the breeds are so good and a lot of the genetics are available, you know, in Europe and America and, you know, the breed's just going to get better and better and, you know, we're having a bit of luck and we're getting some nice mares and going to the best stallions we can and, you know, the, the breed's just so good now. Mm. You, you race one and it raced on Tuesday. That little filly of yours, uh, she made a break, but uh, for sheer speed, she, she'll match it with any other two-year-old trotter here right now. Yeah, we're pretty excited by her. You know, she did everything right at the trials, did everything right at the educations. Then at first start, she's probably galloped and lost 100 metres and, you know, got beaten about a length. And then at last start on Tuesday, um, you know, she lost, galloped at the 600 and, you know, it was probably 100 metres off him at the quarter. And, um, you know, only got beaten about 20. She's got a stack of speed. You know, she was, oh, you know, one of the stallions that we, you know, we actually shuttled down here in Centurion ATM. Um, you know, she's eligible for the Nutrient Series. So, you know, I'm... Um, Pete's just trying to get a qualify for the Nutrient Series. And then maybe, you know, we might have a look at the Breeders' Crown and the Vic Bread. It'd be good to see a Queensland try to go down and beat the Victorians. Yeah, absolutely. And just on this current list that you've put together for this upcoming breeding season, there's no shortage of option for breeders. And uh, it, it caters for all budgets. You've got plenty of paces, plenty of trotters. So correct me if I'm wrong, is there about 14 in total that you're, you know, going to be uh, standing? Yeah, there's 14 in total. There's 10 trotting stallions. Two of them actually are going to be here in the flesh. We're going to have Muscle him up standing in Queensland. You know, he's the son of Muscle Hill. He's the fastest trotter to ever come to Australia. And we Zirconium just arrived in yesterday. He's going to stand down in Victoria. Um, so, yeah, there's 10. You know, they range from, you know, 2,200 to Zirconium up to 9,500 for propulsion. You know, one of the greatest trotters ever. And, you know, on the pacing side, you know, we've got a couple of frozen and we're pretty excited to bring Dan Samoa out to Queensland as well. Well, that was the two horses that I wanted to, uh, you know, dig a little deeper with, these two pacing stallions. Dan and Lou, as I mentioned, uh, you've taken that sponsorship with Albion Park. It's the Dan and Lou back straight. This guy, and, and you know, like I, I like watching uh, racing in North America, he was the real deal, Dan and Lou. Well, he was super. You know, he was he's probably, he would have been the best three-year-old in North America. You know, he, he was probably a better racehorse than Captain Crunch. And... And the other better to light horse, you know, he sat outside of him and 
beat him in the Better's Wish, sorry, he beat him in the Breeders' Crown. So, you know, he was, he was a super three-year-old, and he raced on at four. He's the fastest ever son of Sweet Lou. And I think to get a horse like that to come and stand in Queensland, where, you know, it's sort of... We haven't had the top-line stallions for quite some time. You know, I think he's going to do an excellent job in Queensland. Yeah, I tend to agree. And as you said, he's a son, Sweet Lou. And every meeting I go to lately, there seems to be another Sweet Lou. And one thing that stands out the progeny of Sweet Lou, they're all blessed with that wicked speed. Yeah, they're very fast horses. This guy here is very quick as well. And he's it's pretty tough as well. He could do it at you know, both ends, especially when he won the Houghton Memorial. And he burned off the gate and he was still able to sprint home and win. So he's a really special racehorse. So, you know, we're really excited by him. He's really well-bred. His brother won $2 million. You know, it's, it's a really good pedigree and a really fast horse. So I really think, you know, he'll add to, you know, a lot of the interest in the Q-bred horses. Okay. How much will he be standing for, Dance and Luke? Um, he's $6,000, including GST and the stallion tax. But, you know, we're able to offer some multiple mare discounts. He'll probably be the only shuttle stallion that'll have multiple mare discounts. You know, we'll do 10% off for one or two mares and we'll do 20% off three mares because we want to give him a full book. And we, he's pretty close now. He's over 100 bookings at the moment. Um, it, yeah, we just think he's going to be super. Are you wrapped with that early response? Yeah, well, we're sort of, you know, hoping for it. He also gives the interstate breeders a, you know, a chance to get to the cube breed because he's actually standing in Queensland. You know, we're sort of hoping that he'll book out of the 150. You know, we'll put a few mares to him ourselves and give him every chance. And, you know, I think he'll be, you know, a great addition to Queensland. Okay. And what about Cattle Wash? He's a son of the uh, the late, great Sunbeach somewhere. He was another one that just had unbelievable uh, career stats. And uh, you've been able to secure him for this upcoming season? Yeah, well, he's going to be frozen semen. Um, the semen's going to be registered in New South Wales. So for any Queensland breeder, you'll actually get dual state eligibility with the rules with New South Wales. So you'll get a Q bred and a New South Wales bred. Yeah, he's the fastest ever son of some beach somewhere. You know, he tied his world record at, you know, 46.4. Just an exceptionally quick horse. He's out of a better's delight mare. So you've got the Sun Beach somewhere, the better's delight, which have been the dominant lines in Australia. And his half-sister, Nikki Hill, she was the, probably the best two-year-old on the planet last year. You know, she won the Breeders' Crown mm. by six lengths. So she's just an extraordinary family, a very fast horse. You know, we've only got a few spots left. He's going to be 8800 including GST and stallion tax, but it is payable on live foal because he is frozen semen. But, you know, he could be absolutely anything on his performance and his breeding. Yeah, it certainly looks like it. So good response already for Cattle Wash. And just some of these trotters that you mentioned, Zirconian's arrived. Uh, tell us more about this trotter, Zirconian. Well, Zirconian is a really well-bred horse. He was racing in Europe um, and he was bought by Nuts and Trotting, you know, owned a lot of the top trotters in the world. To, they sent him to North America to race the top free-for-allers in North America, but unfortunately there's a suspensory before he got to race. So, you know, North America's loss was our gain. So he's just so well-bred. He's, you know, a son of, you know, the champion French horse, Ready Cash. So we're going to make him r really affordable. You know, he's only going to be 2200 including GST. He's really well-bred. He's damn won half a million dollars, and she's a half-sister to Lisa America, who won, you know, 2 million euros and was European, you know, Grand Circuit champion. So the bloodline's there. He was a really nice horse. He was a 140, 154 horse. So, you know, we think he'll do a super job and at a reasonable price. Okay, just going through the list that you've put together for the upcoming season. Dance and Luke Cattle Wash, Zirconium, Sebastian K, Centurion ATM, Helpers on the Way, Up and Quick, Luck Be With You, Pet Rock, Propulsion, Perfect Spirit, 
Marcelo Mart, Hard Living, and Cruzado Della Noche. So it's a very, very strong lineup. Yeah, we've got something for everyone on different prices, different breeding. You know, we try not to have them all, you know, all sons of Muscle Hill or all sons of, you know, Andover Hall. We're looking for lines that'll cross, you know, something that's sort of a little bit different, you know, like something like Centurion ATM being an SJ's caviar. You know, there was none of those in Australia. And, you know, a horse like um, Centurion ATM, his sixth dam is Sundon's third dam. So we're thinking that the link between the family and breeding back over itself you know, should produce a nice horse. And Venus Love, you know, even though her dams are love used, she was, her dam was by Sundon. So we're hoping to try and get those nicks that should sort of work right through the industry. Okay. How pleased are you right now with both Sebastian Kane, Centurion ATM, just on the two-year-old trotting races that we've seen so far here in the Sunshine State? You must be wrapped. Yeah, well, Sebastian Kane, you know, unfortunately, you know, was losing him in quarantine when he came to Australia. I think he would have been one of the best dames to... You know, probably the best racetrack performer to ever come down here. You know, his time of 149 on a thousand metre track still stands, you know, eight years later. You know, he's just an absolute, you know, superstar racehorse. And to lose him, you know, when he came to shuttle here was just such a loss. And to have, a, you know, just a little bit of frozen semen and, you know, to get the performance on the track, you know, the knock on him in the States was that he wasn't going to leave a two-year-old's, you know, they're absolutely fine in Queensland. And, you know, the Sebastian Kays are as good as you get up here. He's also had the horse in Sydney that was, you know, one, three or four in a row. You know, and he's second on the premiership for the two-year-olds. So, and Centurion ATM, he's had, you know, three winners already. He probably should have had four winners with Venus Love if she could, you know, get a manners right. And, you know, we're really happy with our stallions. I think we're breeding a quality product down and we're trying to make it affordable for people to go to our horses as well. Okay. And just on with the trotters, with the breeding season upcoming, uh, early response, uh, is there a fair bit of interest in breeders with the trotters? Yeah, definitely. We're getting a lot of interest with Muscle Lamar, you know, being Q-bred and being here. You know, he served nearly 50 mares last year, so he had a really great first season. You know, Zaconium's doing well. Sebastian Kay, the last of the seamen's gone, so unfortunately this is his last time. You know, even a horse like Helper's on the way. He's the only son of Chapter 7 to be ever available in the Southern Hemisphere. So the numbers from him are really high in New Zealand and in Australia. So, you know, he's absolutely flying. He's, he was running fourth or fifth in the two-year-old premiership in North America in his first season. So, you know, we're just trying to bring in some new lines that haven't been available. And, you know, bookings have been really, really strong. But obviously, you know, Dance and Law and Cattle Wash have been the big two. But, um, yeah, all the trotters are getting great interest as well. Excellent, excellent. And just on the Q-bread system up here, this maturity scheme, is it the best in the country? Oh, I think clearly, you know, for, uh, you know, like I had a little filly, a little ATM filly went a few weeks ago, Camaturio, you know, it was only a six or seven horse race, you know, it was a four and a half thousand dollars to win and, you know, bank $21,000, you know, how could you, how could you go wrong? You know, it's going to encourage yeah. people to breed, it's going to encourage, you know, the, the baby trotters, the baby paces, you know, it's just, it's just going to give, you know, people that go to the yearling sales a really quick return on their money and that's sort of what we want yeah. and then they'll reinvest it generally. Okay, excellent. Well, it's going to be a busy time for you in the next couple of months. Breeding season fast approaching. Really enjoyed the chat this morning. As I said, it's a, uh, a very extensive list that you've compiled there. 14 horses, paces and trotters. And we're talking about world-class pedigrees and performances as well. Anthony, really appreciate the time. Best of luck in the coming months. Yeah, thanks so much, Chris.
So there's Anthony Perkins from Trump Bloodstock. You can go online and find out more about it, trumpbloodstock.com. And uh, there's the whole list of stellions for the upcoming breeding season. So very, very interesting. But Dance and Lou, Cattle Wash, they're the new pacing stallions. And as Anthony said, there's something for everyone as far as the trotters are concerned. But uh, the trotters are really starting to take shape here in Queensland, which is really good to see. Chris, we spoke to Robbie Freight earlier this morning just about his work ethic and the success he's had over the past month or so. And Chloe Butler in the harness world, gee, she's going great guns, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a good winner on Tuesday with Mr. Freeze, who's a stable favourite, trained by her father, Jack. Uh, I think she landed a double last night. She's got some really good drives coming up across the weekend. So I thought I'd check in with Chloe and just have a bit of a chat. Chloe joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Really well. It's been a good week so far. Yeah, I'm having a good run at the moment, which helps. How big of a thrill was it to win with Mr. Freeze there on Tuesday night? Yeah, I was real happy to get back behind him when I seen I was driving in again. I was really excited. Chloe, I'm not sure if you can just move your phone. It's just a bit muffled at the moment. Yeah, all good. That's better. So you drove him like he was the best horse in the race and he duly delivered from the outside of the second row in that 2,138 metre race. You're in front by the mile marker and then just ran them ragged over the latter stages. Yeah, I think that's the way you got to drive and be a bit more aggressive towards him. Um, can knock off a little bit and fall asleep, but he got the job done on Tuesday. Yeah, absolutely. And what, it was two winners, a double last night here at Reckless? Yeah, I got a double last night, yeah. Okay, and one of those was yours, a horse that you prepare, my Alderman Bondi. He's been good for your stable. Yeah, he's absolutely fine at the moment. He's come back a way better horse than what we expected, and it's good to see. How many has he won for you now? Uh, about seven, I think. Yeah. The bulk of those have come at Reckless? Yeah, they're all at Reckless. Okay, but eventually he will make that transition to Albion Park, won't he? Yeah, definitely. It's just been so hard over the carnival. Haven't been able to get into up to Albion with the harder horses there. So hopefully they'll all go home now and we can make our way there. Okay. Just on that from your viewpoint uh, with the driving, and we've had a lot of the other uh, big-name drivers up here, have you been able to uh, check out how they go about it? Was there any of those drivers, those big-name drivers that surprised you or was it what you expected? No, it's pretty much what I expected. You know, good drivers are good drivers, and they know what they're doing when they go out there, and it's good to see. Yeah, absolutely. So you've got a number of opportunities coming up in the next couple of days. You're back here at Rickliffe this afternoon. You've got Albion Park tomorrow night, Albion Park Saturday night, and you're going to Marburg on Sunday. So you're happy to go to every meeting possible? Yeah, I love it, and I'll do anything to get any drives, and I always love going to the little tracks and remind me. But down in Bathurst, and we used to travel around and go to all the little tracks and all that. It's awesome. All right. Race two on Saturday night. Kanye Crusader is on the backup after competing last night. Is he capable of, of taking this, or is the draw a little bit of a worry? I think if he drew a little bit better, he might be all right. But I think the draw is a bit of a worry. Um, I wouldn't think he's going to be right in the finish. I think we're just going to go around for a bit of luck and hopefully finish well. Okay. In race three on Saturday night, Obi-Wan, this guy is low flying. His sectionals have been super. This is a good race on Saturday night, but he draws well in too. How do you think he'll measure that uh, uh, that step up in grade? Yeah, we'll 
he's been flying. I, uh, it hasn't worried him. It, every week he's stepped up to what he's had to do and he's been doing what he's asked to do. And I think we just got to see what happens at the start and he'll always finish off strong. Okay. Molly's Mary Ellie you've picked up this drive in that mare's race, race four. She's drawn gate two. Yeah, I just think we're going to have to drive it for a bit of luck and hopefully she's in the finish. Okay. And Sam is perfection who goes around in race seven. Uh, this is a race that's well within his reach. Of course, he set that track record recently at Reckliff. Are you confident with him on Saturday night? Yeah, I am. It's like it's a drop back in grade from what he's been racing, like you just said. And, you know, with the right trip and he's got a good turn of foot, he should be right in the finish. Who's more of a stable favourite out of Sanders Perfection and Mr Freeze? Well, probably Mr Freeze. Sanders is actually annoyed me a little bit, but they're both up there. Okay. And just on the carnival, Mum and Dad, were they happy? Yeah, they were really happy with how they performed. It was a very strong carnival this year than last year, um, but it was good to see. And we had horses in the good races, and that's all that mattered. Chloe, just looking at your stats, are these right? You're only 19 years of age, but 183 wins? Yeah. Must be proud of that. Yeah, it's good. Set yourself a goal? Not really. I just drive and get told when I've driven a certain amount and I get excited. How many are you training yourself? I've got five at the moment. Not too many. Just enough. Okay. Is Air I Go still there? Yeah, he's still there. He's currently... He tried a couple of weeks, a few weeks ago, and I wasn't happy with him, so I just, you know, I okay, went quiet on him again, and then brought him back, and we're coming back better this time, so hopefully he'll be back soon. All right, so he, he went back to the drawing board. He certainly did with uh, Air I Go, but uh, when he's up and going, he, he can trot. Yeah, definitely. I just got to have patience with him, and he'll be right. All right. Excellent. I really appreciate the time. Job well done so far. Uh, a double last night. That good winner on Tuesday night with Mr. Freeze. And hopefully there's quite a few more winners to come because you've got a busy end of the week here. Uh, Thursday. And do you rate any of your chances today? Oh, uh, yeah. Just need a bit of luck. Drawn seven. So hopefully we can get some luck. And I'm sure to be in the finish. It's been flying at the moment. Okay, well, that's race six, number seven, Rock and Roll to Gama. I'll see you later, Trackside. But as I said, keep up the good work and uh, hopefully there's a few more winners to come this weekend. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, Chloe Butler uh, joining us this morning on Mobile Rolling. As a trainer, Chris, she's prepared 25 winners uh, during uh, her career so far. Just in regards to Chicago Bull, uh, do we take the shorts about him or not? Matt, Matt's with us now, Matty Young. Matty, good morning. Good morning, boys. Uh, he, he's very short, isn't he, tomorrow night? Yeah, well, he should win, though. So, um, yeah, uh, he should be able to run to the top, and you just got to have a look at his last run. He was beaten by Magnificent Storm, who we've seen carry on and have a pretty good preparation this time in. Um, we have mentioned on the show, probably before the last carnival, that I thought he was getting a bit longer in the tooth, and I still think that's very much prevalent. But uh, I think he'll be able to notch up a, a free-for-all win tomorrow night, but you're not getting a lot of meat on the bone at the moment. 
Mm. It, it is going to be a competitive race, though. Like, Diego's drawn ideally in one. Bletchley Park, we know what he's capable of. Papernick is first up. Very talented horse. Hands and wheels. Getting fitter with each and every run and jumping Jack Mack. We all know his class. So, it should be a competitive race. Absolutely. Uh, Papernick's the one that creates a lot of interest because if anything we saw the other day, Chicago boy can put together a couple of 27s and um, now he used to be able to put a lot of those together, but uh, he was beaten by a horse who just out sprinted him in Magnificent Storm. And Papernick's got that capability of uh, a turn of foot that could threaten him late, probably more so than a horse like Diego and Bletchley Park. So Papernick, for mine, would probably be the main danger in the race. Um, just first up and he's probably going to be four back to pegs. I can see this race being Indian file and not too much changing. So that first quarter could be quite cosy for Chicago Bull and then essentially he's just rolling from the 1,200 and he'll probably run 29 or quicker into the bell and away he goes. So, yeah, look, he, he looks the one, but I think Papernick, if there's anything that's going to come out of the pack and surprise him late, I think Papernick has the sectionals to be able to do that. Mm. Now, just something I wanted to mention, and we touched on it at the start with uh, Grant Dixon's getting close to 5,000 winners, and he's going to join, obviously, uh, a couple of um, elite drivers. Chris Lewis, uh, I think the stats say under 5,000, but it's certainly over 5,000, isn't it, that he's driven? Yeah, he's driven near 5,900 winners. Uh, Alan Parker keeps all the stats over here in WA, just being... Uh, put into the Hall of Fame. He's uh, the great statistician and uh, historian here in WA. And uh, the records here were, well, pretty much they're a little bit questionable from before 1990. So uh, that's why he's got all the records that he keeps. And uh, Chris Lewis is well and truly over 5,000 winners. He's heading towards 6,000, which hopefully we'll get to see him do in the next uh, coming seasons. So before the computer era, obviously, you know, going back to the 90s, but I tell you what, it would be a strong list over there in Perth with some of those drivers when you start going through them. Fred Kersley comes to mind. Uh, Schrader comes to mind. There's a number of good drivers over there, you know, from, you know, years gone by. Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, there's been some fantastic drivers that have come through at WA. Uh, Chris Lewis, Fred Kersley, Lindsay Harper had uh, such an amazing mm. run in the 90s and early 2000s and uh, Justin Warwick he was so strong as a driver over here as well uh, as well as his training dominance back in the 90s as well uh, no one could get near him and then he made the move to the thoroughbreds but uh, yeah there's been some amazing drivers but uh, I think the thing that really uh, take your hats off to Chris Lewis is Chris has been driving since back when he won into Dominion on Car Clue, uh, which I can't even remember when it was. I think it was mid-70s. And he has seen the evolution of harness racing up to this point and to still have him in the top upper echelon of drivers, not only in the state but in the country, just shows how amazing he is and how legendary he is because to be able to go with the evolution and move with the times, it's... It's evolved a long way, and uh, he's been able to evolve with it. So I think that, for mine, is uh, the great testament to Chris Lewis. Yeah, 66 years young, Chris Lewis, and still driving as good as anyone over there in Perth right now. I think it was 79 car clue, and then he won the end of Dominion in 86 in Brisbane with Village Kid. Yeah, that sounds about right. That was all when I was a twinkle, Chris. I wasn't born until <laughs> 91. 
I was born when Village <laughs> Kid was retiring. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. But just on Chris Lewis, he is still driving as good as anyone over there. It's only probably Junior that probably, you know, outranks him right now. Yeah, look, Chris is... Um, he's definitely... Uh, slowing up a little bit and he doesn't get as many drives or the higher quality drives that he, he probably used to get five to ten years ago but he still is able to get on a horse and he lifts them and when he leads on a horse I still don't think there's anyone better uh, at rating other horses out of the race he's just absolutely exceptional so I think um, Chris in front he's damn near unbeatable uh, if he gets on the right horse that's got the ability to go with it, but uh, he can get on a horse that's of limited ability and really lift them. And I think that's another great attribute of Chris Lewis's career is he's always had that ability to lift horses across the line in that concluding stages. Yeah, and that just speaks volumes for Grand Dixon, Steve, the fact that it's Chris Alford, Gavin Lane, Chris Lewis. Like, if you're going to have three guys sitting in front of you, you'd be pretty happy with that trio because... Uh, that, that's, you know, the, the highest of highs as far as Australian drivers is concerned. And uh, Grant sits right alongside them comfortably. Doesn't have the big end of Dominion successes like those other guys do. But uh, who knows? It might be just around the corner. We've got the end of Dominion here next year. And he's potentially got his best horse right now and leap the fame. Yeah, it's a pretty, um, pretty amazing group of people to be welcomed into the club by. I mean, Gavin Lang, the Iceman, uh, the puppet, Chris Elford, like... And Chris Lewis, uh, yeah, that's mm. they are well, pretty much they're the ones that I grew up watching and in awe of as a supporter of the sport. And the lovely thing about Grant boys is there's no ego there or anything is there. You know, he's he's, he's a bit conservative and he hasn't got a big head. He just goes about his business. Absolutely, and yeah, exactly uh, right. he goes about his business pretty successfully too. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, mate, just one for you, just on Junior. He had a big milestone, uh, I think it was earlier this week, in fact. He's on about, you know, say, 3,500 career wins, and he's got that big milestone now beyond him. Where do you think or how many do you think he'll end up with by the time he uh, pulls stumps on his career? I thought you were talking about the fact that he turned 40 on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, it's a big milestone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, How you reminded yeah, look, me about it. Junior's, yeah, Junior's a very interesting one because I think he's got the ability to drive 100-plus winners until for the next uh, 20, 25 years. So um, that'll put him right up in the echelon of the, or the ilk of the drivers that we are just talking about then. But he's also got uh, other aspirations to uh, go potentially to America. He's spoken about that before. I think you've mentioned that too, Chris, about uh, his willingness to go over there and just see how he would measure up in the States. And I know he's had some interest in that regard, but whether he makes that change or whether he feels like it has uh, the time may not be right now because uh, his dad, senior, is getting a bit older. He's probably going to retire from training, you would imagine, within the next decade. And then Junior would probably have to take over the ranks if if he wanted to do so. So, yeah, there's a few decisions that he can make. But as a driver, uh, comfortably, I, I see him surpassing 5,000 winners pretty comfortably by the, before he's before he's 60 years of age. Yeah, yeah, it'll be very interesting. Probably, probably earlier than that, a lot earlier. 
Yeah, yeah, at this rate, for sure, for sure. Uh, and just on drivers, uh, Stewie McDonald, is this his first night driving back in Perth tomorrow night? Yeah, Stewie made the trip back across. Mitch Miller flew across last Sunday uh, to Melbourne and then gave him some company on the way home. So they've just got back into Perth last night. Stewie starts uh, his operation back at Gary Hall Seniors on Monday and his first drives are on Friday night. So, yeah, it's great great to see him back and he's a welcome addition back to the ranks here in WA because, as we know, he's he's just so... He's such a good driver, I feel he's a very underrated driver through McDonald's so yeah it's just fantastic to see yep absolutely the big one tomorrow night is race five and this is a time-honored event the John Higgins Memorial it's a group three race and uh, it always draws a very strong field a lot of up-and-comers and looks like it's going to be a very competitive race again tomorrow night yeah absolutely it's uh, a cracking field and lucky Gallen's come up with gate one gate speed's a little bit of a question mark but it's yeah, it'll just be interesting to see what happens early because uh, with the speed to his outside, it could be a bit of a staggered start and he might be able to run through and lead them by the first turn. So that holds a lot of interest in the race, in my opinion, um, to see what happens early. But it could be a lead time, a quick lead time, because there could be a few horses that think they can cross him and uh, in the injection of speed will bring a couple of the sweepers into the race. So... Uh, the start is oh so important for the race favourite, Lucky Gallon, but there's uh, plenty of other chances. As you mentioned, uh, the field depth-wise is really talented. Yeah, it's a very strong field on paper. What is your best bet tomorrow night? Uh, I did uh, have a look through the meeting and I've come up with uh, the John Higgins Memorial with uh, Mr Fantastic, uh, race five, number 12. He's a horse that... Uh, you've mentioned before, Chris, uh, about having plenty of ability and he's come back. And, look, I, I must admit I had him a bit more pegged as just a sick kick horse and he couldn't do too much work. But his last run, he just uh, pretty much shattered the glass ceiling of what I thought of him anyway. And I think a, a lot of other uh, critics as well. So he was really impressive. Uh, as I mentioned before, the the gate speed and the lead time that could come into play this could allow Junior to be able to be more versatile with this horse. He can put him into the race at some stage and know that he's going to stick on really well. So I think as he matures through uh, the early part of his career, because he is only lightly raced, we're getting to see a better and stronger horse as he uh, gets more experience on the racetrack. So I was pretty confident race five, number 12, Mr. Fantastic could take out the John Higgins Memorial. And I think uh, he's not, not too bad a price as well. Yeah, certainly. Uh, the draw does make it a little tough, but uh, that only enhances the odds, hopefully. So we'll take the tip. Race 5, number 12, Mr. Fantastic, the son of Better's Delight, to take out that feature race. A good program coming through as per normal at GP tomorrow night. Ten in total. Matty, appreciate the time this morning. We'll catch up next week. No worries, guys. Thank you.